Rotation, rotation, rotation. What a rally yesterday. It's continuing, but not in all stocks. There's some going down, and they're the value stocks. Can this wicked rotation into growth continue? That's one thing we're going to talk about today on pre-market prep. Earnings, Meta, blows it out. Lily, Merck, Honeywell, were they going down no matter what they said or did? Special interview day today, folks. Jeremy Siegel, the professor from Wharton University, along with Jeremy Schwartz from Wisdom Tree. They'll be joining us, giving us their insights into the market, into the Fed. I'm fired up. This is Thursday. Let's get it going, Mitch. Pre-market prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, folks, let's look at the commodities and futures and then get right in it today. Uh, Pre-market high, 41.61. That's close to the high from yesterday, 63 and a quarter. So if you're brave enough, there's a double top for you to lean on. Uh, The dollar, overall, we're up 20 handles at 52.75, thanks to Facebook. Uh, The buck continues to head towards par, down uh, 11.8 cents at 100.91. Bonds pretty much scratch here at 131 and 19.30 seconds. Crude not participating, down 12 cents, 76.29. Who could leave out gold? Up 25.60, 1968.40, heading for 2K. Silver, it struggled, but now it's back over 24. It's up 85 cents at 24.46. Bitcoin futures got to pop overnight into the mid-24 handle, but they're up. $230 at $23,985. Let's bring in our arbitrage expert trying to figure out the quality of the indexes here, Triple D and yeah. uh, and Money Mitch. How you doing, Money Mitch? I hope you didn't short that Facebook, which you were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you know me, man. I respected it. I said, nah, bulls are in control. I ain't playing bulls anything to the downside right now. All right, Short's Dennis. Uh, so days, days like this have an appearance one way, right? Yes. Yeah. And then they and then they have like What's underneath the hood? And this yeah. is something that we, we cover. We try and educate. It's not the easiest concept in the world, but if there's anybody that can break it down, it's you. So give us the numbers. Give us the rotation and yeah. uh, how to approach it. Well, we know who's driving the bus, and it's Meta. And that is driving up a lot of tech stocks. Google, obviously. Amazon trading significantly higher. Apple, Tesla, the tech growth names all ripping, the Kathy names ripping. When you rip the market that much and the S&P is only up 0.5%, they've got to sell something else to make up for it. And what is that? It's the logical choice. They're selling all the value stocks. So you're seeing heavy, heavy sales, and especially the ones that reported because you know what? You have Honeywell down eight bucks. And to, to your point that you said in the opening, it was probably going down no matter what. No matter what they said, 
it was probably going down because they simply don't want the value stocks right now. They want the growth stocks. So it didn't really matter what they said. It probably didn't matter what Merck said either. It was probably going down no matter what they said because Meta is up simply, it's simply up too much. So Meta's up 30 bucks. The indexes are trying to keep up, but with the S&P only up 20 handles and you have every tech stock like Google and Amazon, four and a half, four percent, Meta 19%. Yeah, it's only 2.9% of the index, but come on, you know, we've got the other ones like Amazon, Apple's up 1.32, Tesla 2.22, you add up all that math. You should be up a lot more on the S&P than you are. So to make up the difference, they're hitting everything that's conservative. They're hitting consumer staples. They're hitting oil. They're hitting the drug stocks. They're hitting everything that we've been calling and what you would call value stocks. So it is complete rotation, value to growth here this morning. We tweeted this yesterday during the after hours. I said, expect wicked rotation. And this is exactly what we're seeing. The math has to add up. And that's what we see here right now when we look under the hood. All right, money managers scrambling to get out of some of those value stocks and uh, and moving it Chase over. Yep, yep, yep. No trade. You know what? They did some nice chasing on the close. Uh, what was the day? The seven point five billion buy-in balance to end the month. I mean, at least some boys and girls got in a little bitter, you know, ahead of it. That that was a, a little bit startling. But uh, even though with all the jockeying, we talked about it. It just wasn't an easy affair yesterday. I oh mean, no! The, the, yeah. S&P's going down like that. It looked like the Bears kind of got control. And then it was, Mitch, do you have, there was like two or three statements that just turned the market on a dime. Yeah, definitely. I got you there, right There's now. one Hold word, Mitch. There was one word, and I was sitting here right at the desk, and it was when he said disinflation. That's the word. Yeah. I mean, he, right here. That, that word, and you can show it, Mitch. This I is mean, the, yeah, this is the important statement given. And yeah, it was on that word. Um, yep. And we talked about this yesterday. If you wanted your dovish statement, this was it. it was. We can now say that I think for the first time that the disinflationary oh. process had started. That is the most dovish thing he has Lit said in two years. That is the most dovish thing. I'm going to repeat it again. That is the most dovish thing he has said in two years. And the algos see that and they are like, buy everything that is zombie-like. Buy all the growth. Buy anything burning cash. Buy anything that Kathy Wood touches. Euphoria is on. Now, that word was in the Q&A. Was that in the statement? That was was the Q&A, not statement. Yeah. So in the statement, which if you look, actually, we went down on the statement because it was written very well. It was fairly hawkish. There wasn't really anything too dovish in there. But when he got to the Q&A, the journalists beat him up and they pulled the dovishness out of him. Obviously, you know, you're right there. And then he's speaking just frank. And when he started talking, he mentioned it multiple times, disinflation. And that's the key. And that is why this market ripped higher. And when he said disinflation, I went right to the, all the junk too and started buying all that stuff as well. Because that's what you got to do. You got to ignore your bias and you got to trade what you see. And he gave a green light, at least in the short term, to just buy stocks. Now, again, and I tweeted this out yesterday. People are saying I'm wrong. Obviously, they don't follow my Twitter feed. Because if you can show my tweet, what I tweeted during, before the press conference, I tweeted this, Mitch. Go to my Twitter feed because I definitely wasn't wrong yesterday. I was right yesterday. So multiple times tweeting, I said, even if we go down, Uh I think the dip gets bought. And I said, if he says anything dovish, we rip higher. So it's basically a win-win for the Bulls. And I got paid for it. 
Obviously, you know, we have an overall sentiment. Me and Money Mitch are still in the recession camp long term. But I've been trading this long for a while, and I don't know. Can you show my Twitter feed? I don't know. Yeah, I can get it, it up because the you, chat you just, just likes to gravitate tweets. to what I was saying a month ago. They don't listen to the show for the yeah, last two. Or certain well, people, not like of the chat's good. Ten percent hate my guts. So One thing I would say is, if I said something bearish six months ago, they're going to come and rub it in my face. And yes, I still have a lot of cash. I still have a lot of cash. One thing I would say is, but I am trading this from the long side. Now again, we just ride a hundred handles, so already been paid, already taking some of those profits. But when he said disinflation, if you were shorting stocks, you're not listening to the information that is being given to us. So you have to continue to trade the information that is constantly being given to us. So, uh, I mean, you can scroll down. We were talking about the Bed Bath & Beyond yeah. move here. So, I tweeted so, a lot um, yesterday. You may not well, even I know. You, you are on yeah, a, I, I couldn't keep up with it. One thing that I, I distinctly remember from the show yesterday, and then we could probably uh, move on from this, is I, I had talked about the scenario at, in mid-December where we had the good CPI number, and then they just sold the daylights of it. You know, remember that? We had it, the, the, the big four or five-day pull-off. And, and you know, your comment was, well, everyone's expecting that, right? And, you know, that in, in a lot of times when everyone has expectations of things going one way or another. I was just going on the past history, right? And, and uh, you know, you kind of, you know, back me off on that. So whatever. Who's right? Who's wrong? Who's indifferent? We just try and give the best information out we there. Do. And uh, you all smart. You all have your own portfolios. You all can hit your buttons, uh, you know, by yourself. We just try and yeah. give you well, the information. Just go right. through the tweets. I mean, what is bearish in here? Dip buyers continue to lurk. This is all me tweeting right before the Fed. So it's just sl slowly scroll because I can't see it when you're scrolling through it. So dip buyers continue to look. Feels like we're going green. We were red at that time. I think it's. I think even if he's overly hawkish, the market, if the market sells off, it's hard for me to read because it's like blurry. There you go. I think if he's overly hawkish, the market sells off, but the dip likely gets bought. I think if he says anything in a capital level dovish, the market rips. And then I said, why you got to be so hawkish? You know, because he was hawkish. And the market started going down. But, you know, so obviously I was like my previous tweet. I'm thinking, why? But anyways, <laughs> obviously the, the word was disinflation. And that was the catalyst to take us off. So you've got to just go with what you're seeing, not going. And it's not about being right or wrong, folks. It's about making money. I'm going to tell you one thing and repeat this to yourself. Everybody on Twitter wants to be right. I want to be right too. But you know what? It's not about being right or wrong. It's about making money. I'm very wrong to have an overall opinion of you know not having a soft landing. Right now, we're looking like we might have the soft landing. I'm very wrong to have 50% cash on my long-term portfolio. I should be 100% invested right now. But I'm very right in my trading account right now to be continuing to feel that the tape, you cannot fight the tape. And I think if you've been listening to the show in the last couple of weeks, we've clearly said, I've submitted most multiple times that I've been wrong. I've, been, I've said multiple times I'm trying to trade this from the long side. I mean, if I was losing money in January, obviously, you know, then I'm not you know, trading what I'm seeing. I didn't have a great January, but I still made, I think, 3.6% of my account. So if I was just full-on bearish and short stocks, I'd be losing money hand over fist. So results speak for themselves, folks. But okay. I mean, you've got to trade what you see. To J.C. Perrette's point, and yes, I like to hear myself talk. Everybody in the whole world likes to hear themselves talk. Um, to J.C. Perrette's point, you've got to trade the tape and not always your bias. Right now, I still have this bias. I can't break it. Like 
I think the economy is going to break, but I can't trade it that way because it's not paying the bills. All right. Now, there was another comment in the press release yesterday. I thought it was very important that not many people are even talking about this morning. And I think that you might see the focus go towards it over the long run uh, included in that press release was in order to anchor long-term inflation expectations at this level, the committee seeks to achieve inflation that averages 2% over time. Very, very important. I don't think people are understanding this. They keep putting in that they're going to cut this year. Look at the fed funds futures right now. They're putting in two cuts for this year. Not what they're telling us in the press release. Clearly not only saying that we need to get to 2% now, but now that we need to stay there over time, what was the change in tune from the Fed last week? There was a specific word that I was pointing to, sustained inflation at 2%. Not just getting to 2%, now they want to get it staying there. That's another thing that you need to keep in mind. We're talking longer term down the line. But this is why I'm still in the bear camp team, because if we're just going to hold rates at 5% for two years, well, I ain't going to be looking too great down the line. Unless they continue to do what they're doing here, and that is completely disconnecting from fundamental information. Let's call a spade a spade. And yeah. I guess that's racist or something. Somebody told me, so I shouldn't say that. I don't know what it means, but it's been a common saying for a long time. But he can't say these old sayings anymore. So I apologize if that offended anyone, because I forgot it's bad habit but i don't even know what it means but going back let's just call this market what it is mm -hmm. they are buying the stocks on disappointing earnings they are yes. buying the beat up stuff on disappointing earnings this meta report was okay but it was not fantastic by any means it's not 19 percent higher that they blew it all away show the numbers mitch they were okay but you know what the expectations are just so in the gutter that these numbers were good enough People like me expecting them to miss didn't miss by much if it did miss. So I think it's just the people leaning, too many people leaning bearish, too many people with cash, algos running rampant, FOMO running rampant. This is not an up 19% report. But with that being said, you can't argue with the tape and it's held up here for a long time. All right, let's get into the stock action. I think that's enough uh, Fed talk. We'll save a little bit more for our special guests that will be coming up and joining with us at 835. Let's continue going into the markets. Well, Meta, we, can we give the yeah, numbers? Yeah, I asked, exactly. I, yeah, exactly. Let's that's, that's, that's what we're going into here. Let's give the Meta numbers. There's a lot on there, and you guys will see a lot on your Benzinga Pro. I'm going to try to really quickly wrap this up. EPS, $1.76, missed $2.22 estimate sales at $32.17 billion, beat the $31.53 billion estimate. They do see Q1 23 revenue at $26 billion to $28.5 billion versus a $27.14 billion estimate. Active daily users were up 4% uh, year over year. Uh, ad impressions were up 23% year over year, but the average price per ad down 22% year over year. Um, they did increase their buyback $40 billion. Uh, CEO Zuckerberg saying that real monetization efficiency on Facebook has doubled in the past six months. So they're focusing on their reels. Um, and then also Zuckerberg saying here, and we're going to go back to the, the key word of this year, AI here. Zuckerberg saying that Meta wants to become a leader in generative AI in addition to existing work in recommendation AI. 
So, of course, they had to throw the AI word in there. That um, helps. Getting the lift, 40, right? Yeah, $40 billion buyback helps too. Their earnings were a miss. 176 versus 222 is a big miss. The revenue kind of beat. It, the revenue did beat, so the revenue was decent. The 4% number is decent, but there's a kind of a, you know, and expenses. They like that they're bringing down the total expenses. I mean, that's, you know, something they're thinking about. Average price per ad down 22% doesn't sound that bullish. But and in any regard, if this quarter was reported like six months ago, this is a mixed quarter and it could go up or down. But in this market, that just is looking at or any type of, you know, silver lining that on, especially on the growth stocks, not on the value stocks, only the growth stocks now, those are the ones in favor. They rally it on this. So, I mean, is it a 19% rally? No, but it is. So you can't argue with the tape. I mean, this is the market we're in. They're looking, you know, just to buy anything tech right now because tech was the most beat up thing. Meta, one of the most beat up stocks last year, and they're buying a hand over fest. I mean, you got Bed Bath & Beyond missing, you know, debt payments and they're rallying at 23%. So this is the kind of market that we're in. They don't care about the fundamental story. They just care of risk on, get me in, we're going back to all-time highs. That's what the mindset back is. Back to right 2020, now. baby. All right. It's all a right, 2020 mentality. Get the real in you guys in a little bit. They like that Raising. they were cutting expenses, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Number one. I mean, you know, Zuck took, took his medicine, you know, on the way down, cut expenses. You know, they didn't tout the metaverse as much. I guess they're still spending like $14 billion on it. But what a day to report those earnings, Right. What was the mentality out there in the market yesterday mm-hmm. in the after hours? All right. If if we if the market would have gotten crushed off the Fed and it was down four or five hundred dollars, no. I don't think you would have seen this kind of reaction. So we you know, you gotta talk about market sentiment, the environment yeah. it was in. It was just uh, you know, the, the stock had turned in favor. You probably still had some shorts scratching their head because oh well fill the gap at 130. Oh, it should go right back down, right? And uh, you know, get a little retracement. So a lot of people, I don't know, it's a big thick stock, so I don't know about the short interest and you know how much that plays a that factor in it. Yeah, it's just such a big stock. Um, I can't give you support because you know, I'm afraid of heights. I can just tell you that the area of the pre-market high, which is 184.08, there's a pair of uh, daily highs right there uh, going back to the end of July. So I can put a capital P on that is potential resistance. Uh, that area has been targeted 183.5, 184 as potential resistance. As always, the longer it takes to get back out there, it take out the pre-market high, then there's a chance of rolling over. But right now, someone seems to have a bid here at like 182. It ain't my bid. It hasn't think- moved at all. It's not uh, like it's even chopping around. It's repriced up here on heavy volume. Yeah. So obviously it can move a bit, but this thing is not just going to roll over and die. So uh, does it continue to go higher? I don't know in this market. It's This market's know. been a very hard market to predict. I'm not trading meta. I'll use it for an indicator. If it starts to roll over, then, you know, maybe some of this tech, you know, air comes out. But if it continues to go higher, then it goes. Again, I don't trade the leaders. I usually trade the laggards. I look for indications. I look for information to get long stocks. Right now, it's full risk on tech, high short interest crap, you know, to the point which we might as well go to Carvana and Bed Bath. Yeah, I just want to say, I just want to address something here from Neil Johnson. You know, do you hold your meta here or sell, take some profits? What, first of all, what was your original target? You know, if your original target was 170 and, you know, you don't want to sell it out here at 182, then sell it at 170 on the way down. Uh, 
I, the only thing I would say is if you, you took some shot on some shorter term options, boy, I mean, this thing is trading 182 now. And I don't even know. I'll just throw a call out there, like the 170 call, let's say that expires tomorrow. You may be able to sell that at the open at a price where if the stock goes to 183 or 184 lower in the day, that option price is actually going to be lower. So there's, you know, there's going to be a lot of juice out there um, in the premiums, but take your targets. Also, you know, trailing stops and moving up. I, I don't have it, but to me, I'd be that 183 and a half, 184 to me would just be juicy. And there's also parceling out. But uh, so that's the good report. That's what, but th th there's some bad reports here. You want to get All the value those? stocks. Yeah, <laughs> this is uh, such a predictable thing. Tech, well, they're going to buy those ones and anything value they don't like. So, I mean, you can go into a bazillion um, value reports here, like Honeywell, wherever you want to go. Honeywell's right. down eight bucks. Uh, and we're going to go to the healthcare stocks here. Sure. I'll cover those together. We're going to do Eli Merck and Bristol Myers here. Sure. Let's go running through that really quickly, and then you guys can give your outlook on these. Uh, first one up, let's do Eli Lilly. Q4 adjusted EPS, $2.09, beat the $1.78 estimate. Sales at $7.3 billion, missed the $7.33 billion estimate. They did raise full year, uh, fiscal year 23 adjusted EPS outlook from $8.10 and $8.30 now to $8.35 and the high end of $8.55. The consensus was $8.28. That doesn't look too bad there. Merck coming in, EPS 162, uh, beat the 154 estimate. Sales at 13.8 billion, beat the one 13.67 uh, billion estimate. They also, they lowered their EPS guidance here. Um, at a high end of $6.95, the estimate is $7.36. Uh, also coming in here, uh, giving a little bit of a higher end on their sales. But, of course, the lower end is actually below it. We'll just kind of keep watch to see what happens here. Sales don't look too bad there for Merck. The EPS is what's getting really hit. The reports uh, don't even matter. They don't matter that much here. Um, bottom line is value is out of favor this morning and growth is back in favor. I don't know when it turns. It's been all month like this. You know, obviously, Merck, you know, has been leaking a little bit. Your AbbVie stock has come off substantially. Um, Lily has come off the highs. It's just rotation. Rotation is the number one driver of everything right now. If you're buying value stocks here, long-term, maybe you'd be happy. Short-term, it's painful right now. It's painful because right now they don't care what, you know, if you're, you know, your P's 10, 12, 13, they're not caring about those stocks right now. They're into the Kathy stocks. That's what's outperforming. Yes, there's still a few, few value stocks. Newcore is still having a pretty good time of it, but overall, a growth is definitely outperforming value right now. So overall, and again, nothing is 100%. You're never going to see 100% of value stocks go down and 100% of growth stocks go up. All you got to do is identify the trend. You know, 60 are going up and 40 are going down. We make money on that. Right now, growth is in favor as a trader. You're still playing at that side. Now, you've got to be careful and you've got to watch for the turns. Tesla's still your leader on growth as well. So don't take that leadership away. You know, if all of a sudden it starts to roll over, then that's a cue that you got to take some quick profits, especially as a day trader. But right now, this January effect has continued for the entire month of January and it's continued for the first two days of February as well. Lily, tough chart here. You are breaking down. Nice pop off the pre-market low. Uh, 
$340 stock. So you have to go a little bit wider on your levels. Um, I see a double close area. Uh, this called 343. So if you're looking to sell into a little bit of strength here, yesterday's uh, price, closing price, 42.57 and 44.15. Um, on the downside here, I don't know where I would stick. Obviously, someone stuck their neck out at uh, 332. Uh, to me, there's not much until you get under 3.30 here. You didn't spend much time trading between 3.30 and 3.40. Uh, so I, I think I'd be more patient, uh, maybe not today or tomorrow, next couple of days. Maybe get this thing closer to the 3.27 area. Uh, but way off the pre-market low, that's where it stands. It, it did get a bounce. All right, let's go to the good stocks that had a nice little lift. Uh, at least definitely Elf Beauty having a nice little push today. Let's go to that stock here. Uh, and their numbers, Q3 EPS, 48 cents beat the 23 cent estimate. Sales at 146.54 million beat the 121.81 million estimate. They do see fiscal year EPS at $1.37 to $1.40 on the high end versus the hmm. $1.12 estimate. Also, the revenue to 541 million, high end 545 versus a 489.78 million estimate. So, big push there on the guidance. Doesn't look bad at all. Big pop. I mean, when stocks are making new all time highs, it's hard to say where they stop. And we're in this full on bull market right now, which we definitely are in a bull market right now. Maybe a mini bull market, but it's a full on bull market right now. I don't short stocks making new all time highs. I don't chase them, but I don't short them either. So, no opinion. Uh, breaking out way above an all time high by 10 bucks. Um, I would just probably give you potential support over the next couple of days. And it's down at 58 and a half bucks. 58, 58 was the high from yesterday. Uh, I can't really, a little bit of volume. Pre market high, 68, 78. If you want to catch this one, if you're intending to sell today into this rally, you're not going to catch the top unless you go, you start scaling out, you know, 67, 67 and a half, 68. 68 and a half, something like that. As far as uh, support, I mean, minor intraday pre-market support at 66. But uh, I would give those all half-star numbers. <laughs> What's I mean, the 830 I mean, number coming? Chat saying 830 number. Lombardo, thank you. What's the 830 number coming? Money there's minutes? plenty of 830 numbers oh, coming. Uh, Is there an 830 you, number every day now? There was never this many 830 numbers, I feel like. I guess no, we just matter. didn't pay attention to We just didn't pay attention to them. What's this? That's all it is. Um, What's so this uh, you're going to get unit labor costs quarter over quarter, non-farm product activity um and then of course we'll get some jobless claims oh, number we'll get initial jobless claims, jobless claims continuing jobless claims and jobless claims four week average initial all jobless right claims we'll go wide estimate again. is two hundred thousand. prior remember came in really low at one hundred and eighty-six we we'll see if we finally start trending back towards the upside on jobless claims or do we keep coming to the downside i mean one hundred and eighty-six thousand. That's pretty off of the last estimate. We'll see what happens today. And continuous uh, jobless claims at 1.677 million. Prior was 1.675. We'll see what happens. All right. That's going to fall in about two minutes. Maybe okay. we can squeeze one more. I did um, want to squeeze. Can we just talk, talk to Carvana and Bed Bath & Beyond? Because this is the biggest story of the yeah, day besides squeeze. Meta. And we've just glazed over it. I mean, you've got stocks like Bed Bath & Beyond last night. 
Wall Street Journal saying they're missing debt payments and the stock's rallying 21%. I mean, we're in this full on, who cares if it goes bankrupt, the stock's going higher. That's the mentality out here right Euphoria now. Carbon is, is the strong. same story. Potential bankruptcy is there. I'm going wide here too on my orders. But potential bankruptcy is there. It doesn't even matter. Right now, they're squeezing the shorts. And the short squeeze is on. And you have to respect that. High short interest stocks have had a fantastic January. They're probably going to have a decent day here again today because Carvana and Bed Bath and Beyond are moving higher. So, I mean, Wall Street Journal, they're missing debt payments. Doesn't seem to matter. Bed Bath and Beyond up 21% on that. And it was up even more this morning. It was up over four bucks. So, incredible lack of concern for fundamental information in some of these trades. And I mean, this probably all ends ugly, but right now you can't argue with it because right now bulls in complete control. All right, going into the number, not much to give you. Yesterday's high, 63 and a quarter. Your pre-market high right now stands at 62 and a quarter. I decided to make no number higher on my sheet than 41.80. That was your high from December 13th. We had talked about that scenario when the market hit that after a very good uh, November CPI reading. So that there's nothing up there to 41.80. If you want to think about 4,200 as well, looks like we have uh, some algo jumpers in there. We did get to 64.5. Market a little bit stubborn here. Are seeing some offers. Stock's not moving much. I see Meta get bouncing off that 182. Uh, looking like we got a little bit of a muted reaction. We're able to make a new high at 64.50. Uh, bids uh, still maintain here. Mitch, what do you have on the numbers? All right. I got continuous jobless claims coming in at 1.655 million versus that 1.677 million expected. So coming in light there. Um, now let's talk about non-farm uh, productivity for Q4 at 3% versus 2.4% expected uh, non-farm productivity coming in higher, showing that strength there continuing, right? I mean, this, this economy has just been strong, man. Um, let's take a look there. Still looking for the initial jobless claims. That should be coming up any second here. You guys in the chat yeah, see it. 183 it versus 195 on initial jobless claims. So 183 versus 195. Yeah, still less. lower. Still I lower. I mean, this is where we're at. This it's is, lower I than mean, the prior. 186,000. The soft landing people are just like rocking and rolling right now. <laughs> saying we I'm super you. excited I'm, because at the end of the day, you would ask people the soft landing six months ago. And maybe you would have got maybe 10% of people to say yes. I know there was one here on this show. There was. You thought there it was, was soft landing? I was You're really always on the fence. You I would talk about the airports. I talked He's about resident the airports. Bull. I talked about bull. the stores. I <laughs> talked about the drive-through indicators. I talked about the help wanted signs. I talked about people going out and spending money. I didn't see every and we actually had the argument because I think it was around thirty nine hundred or something like that. And I told you I had an investment committee meeting, and I and she said. I'm staying bullish while well, she's always bullish. Actually, I had a talk with Sean Udall uh, yesterday and I saw him when I was out in Arizona and we had a cocktail. Well, Sean's always bullish. And he said, when we went out for that cocktail, Lisa went with us and he goes, me and her, maybe not me, me and her were the only people that were bullish on Wall Street. I never, ever, ever was this calling for a recession. 
was never calling for a deep recession, still may happen, soft landing. The people are still spending money. I don't know where they're getting They're it spending from. money to a ridiculous level still. And again, I'm with you. I keep thinking the recession's coming, but maybe they're just going to continue to find money. I resistance, mean, the cash has the depleted. The credit card debt has soared. They're selling some toys, but they're still finding cash to do stuff and they're still spending money. And you know what? I mean, inflation's come in a little bit, but there's stuff going back up here now. And I mean, my, my buddy, you know, works, you know, as a project manager for a city and he just got quoted, you know, on an, on an outdoor bathroom at a park and the quotes are coming in. It's Canadian dollars at like $900 a square foot. Yeah. And he's like, no inflation's going down. Right. And no he's like, are inflation. you kidding me? And he's like, the whole reason is that they're so busy still, the construction companies, they're still that busy. They haven't slowed down at all that they don't need the job. So they just overquote everything and they're just killing it. So, I mean, it hasn't broke yet. And it's unbelievable that it hasn't broke yet. I keep thinking there's tea leaves of breaking, but it hasn't broke. And you know what's going to end up happening here is as the markets go up, the wealth effect starts going up. People start feeling good about themselves. They start spending more money. Inflation is going to start going back up again. We're going to start seeing like the disinflation. Did Jay Powell, question in the chat. Did Jay Powell just bottom tick inflation by saying disinflation? I think it's going to start turning and going back up because you know what? With the wealth effect that's happening in the stock market, people are feeling pretty good about themselves again. So ride the wave. I mean, ride a bullish for sure. I mean, right now, trading, it sucks from the short side. Believe me. It All right, let's get our guest on. Let's get our guest let's on. Let's go. Let's someone, go into this conversation. Yeah, yeah man. Someone has been around the markets uh, even longer than us. All right. Good morning. We are bringing on the chief uh, investment officer at Wisdom Tree, Jeremy Schwartz, and also the iconic professor, Jeremy Siegel, from the Wharton School in Penn. Gentlemen, how are you doing this morning? And professor, I'm glad you saved your best interview for the last today. <laughs> Thank you, Joel. Uh, right. I'm, doing, I'm, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, right. I mean, listen, I, I'm in Philadelphia, so with the Eagles, uh, Fly, Eagles, fly, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me get to some questions. Jeremy, uh, on the right, I, I want to say hi to you, too. Thanks for arranging this. Uh, I know we can get to the deep fundamentals, and that's what you're best at, but uh, we have some shorter-term, intermediate-term, and also longer-term traders here. Um, I know you're not a super technical guy, but when uh, the professor gets out of bed in the morning, what, what's the first thing? Do you, do you pick up the Wall Street Journal? Do you look at the S&Ps? Do you look at the overseas markets? Where, or do you just get a cup of coffee and you just say, I, you know, I'm not worried about all this short-term stuff? Oh, I, I, I love the short-term stuff. Yeah, I get in and I look at my Bloomberg and where are the markets? You know, where, where are the headlines? Um, and um but like the s and you know, the nasdaq the triple q yeah and, yeah and what kind of well now what kind of earnings are coming in and uh you know and i always uh listen to the beginning of uh you know uh, squawk box on cnbc just to see what they're saying not that they're always right but i, I want to hear what the buzz is that they're they're hearing and um you know i'm 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 ready for my day what about you jeremy what uh what's first on your radar 
I, if it had, if it didn't happen on Twitter, it probably didn't exist. So, I, <laughs> but it's a combination of you know, turn on either Bloomberg or CNBC, turn on to Twitter, see what's happening there, um, and I, you know, that's become my my new news source is the the online world there. The online world. Okay, Professor Siegel, you've been following the markets for a long time, as uh, many of our investors and have. Um, what do you think the biggest mistake that, that people make in long-term investing? And do you have a personal antidote, uh, you know, something that shaped your investment philosophy over the years? What What do you think that is, the biggest mistake people make? The, big, the, the biggest mistake of long-term investors is trying to be a short-term investor, um, which means try to pick the tops and the bottoms. Um, you know, it, it is amazing to me uh, you know, I, I was one of the very first investors, you know, probably before you guys were born in the S&P 500 index, you know, fund that Jack Bogle uh, did. And uh, th- people said, oh, well, now you're guaranteed to the market. And I said, I'm happy about that. And then I talked to a lot of other people and I said, well, what are your returns? You're only in that fund. They said, well, it isn't so good because I thought the market was too high. So I went out and then I thought it was too low and I went in. It's the only fund I ever bought and sold, but I bought and sold it at the wrong time. So uh, you can be in, in, the, in the market and believe in, uh, you know, widespread indexing and, and still fail by your attempt at picking tops and bottoms. Yeah, we all know about that. And uh, and Jeremy, uh, what about you? You've uh, you know you've seen the ups and downs in the markets. I mean, it's not always to buy and hold. You think it's that people get a get a little ahead of themselves with market timing? I I, I personally could say yeah. If you experience that yourself, I mean, I think even if when you think about what's happening this January, and and you know, like when you do any tax loss trading, it's often that stuff that is going to rally the most, and. You know, I, I had a few positions even in last December on December 31st that I reduced and say, oh, maybe the environment's going to be tough for this growth basket. And then that flies the most in January. Like everything, literally everything, if I had two or three positions I sold, they're up 20, 30% to start the year. You know, and so I think that you you, you, you could get overly. Jeremy, you know how you, you know how you, what, what I did, I mean, I had to take some tax loss. Immediately when I sold the tax loss, I went into another fund or ETF uh, that was almost identical because, you know, I I just didn't want to lose that rebound that I I felt could very well happen. All right, let's let's move on to the macro talk, right? That's why everyone wants it, wants you on here. And you were you were banging the table on the Fed like, whoa, whoa, you should have started sooner. And now you're you're getting a little bit uh, carried away here. Uh, Let's just go to the most recent action by the Fed and, you know, where it stands on inflation. Well, I think the Fed is finally and slowly beginning to get it. Um, They're, they're, you know, admitting that they made a lot of progress. Uh, Powell was more two-sided. You know, he didn't guarantee two hikes. He he sort of thought that they, you know, more hikes might be appropriate, but he's going to look at the data. Um, I, you know, so there's a little bit of, I mean, he's still, I think, off target on a, on a lot of things. I mean, he admits himself that uh, monetary policy works with a lag uh, and a lot of the effect of the tightness is yet to be felt. And yet, you know, he says, I've, I've got to see it before I do it. Well, you know, you know, when he finally sees the economy really turned down, that's too late to prevent a recession. 
you you can't uh, you know wait until that happens. That's the last thing uh, that. And I think his focus on wages is incorrect because really the worker has fallen behind inflation over the last two and a half years. Uh, he or she needs to catch up, and that's what many of them are doing. And to say I'm not going to let you catch up, I'm not going to let you have wages. You know that that uh, well, I consider inflationary. I think is 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 anti-labor and and uh, and uh, n- not good economics. I mean, you know, Powell himself admitted that there was a structural shift in the labor supply. I mean, that you know, m- a lot of people retired, baby boomers retired. I mean, I was one retired from the university position, although I'm still active in other things. A lot of my friends retired. Um, if there's a structural shift then there's got to be an increase in wages to clear that market. And that's nothing that the Federal Reserve is designed to prevent or should try to prevent. Professor Siegel, Dennis Dick here. I just want to talk about the lag. You mentioned, you know, there's a lag. And now you're saying Powell's correctly talking about that lag. How much does it actually lag? When we take interest rates from basically nothing up to four, four and a half percent, how long does it take to actually start to hit the economy? Because we've been asking this question on this show for the last six months, and it doesn't really appear to be hitting it too hard yet. How long does it typically take for those interest rates to start to show up to stop people from spending as much money? Well, it ha- it, it really has hit the economy. I mean, you, you take a look at the, the increase in payroll numbers, and they are definitely declining. Um, uh the, the number of, of, of new jobs. I mean, we know what's happened in the housing industry. I mean, you know, the case shower index has gone down for five or six months. Uh, the the uh, home builders index sentiment, or, uh, index sentiment indicator has fallen uh, worse than it actually, faster than it fell during uh, uh, the, the housing crisis that followed the financial crisis. So there have been sectors definitely uh, that have been hurt and commodity prices are down. Uh, so there's a lot of sensitive prices that are really down. What What is surprising, and again, I, I agree with you, I, I did not expect the labor market to continue to hold up as well as it is. I mean, you, you, we just looked five minutes ago at those uh, initial claims, no yeah. break there at all. Um, uh, we'll, we, you know, tomorrow we're going to get that employment report, the ADP shows you know, maybe it'll only be 100,000, 120,000. I mean, that's half the rate that we had last year. So that is a decline. But uh, I, I really think until we get an actual negative number of payroll jobs, which means payroll losses, really, uh, that will turn the heads of the Fed to say, oh, wow, you know, maybe we should really pause for a while uh, and really see how this plays out. I mean, I think that that will happen. I'm surprised, though, as you people discussed just 10 minutes, 15 minutes ago, <clears throat> how long uh, this labor market has remained drum tight as it has. One more question but, for you. Robert, you had that productivity number come in very good, like you were hoping, and unit labor yeah. costs down because as a result of that. So that, like as they were saying, the soft landing scenario of maybe this year becomes that was Q4 numbers, but maybe this year we're able to beat expectations on productivity. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, take a look at 1.1% labor costs revising down of the previous quarter also. Um, I mean, that 1.1% annualized labor cost is really very, very good. And as Jeremy said, I mean, it's been my uh, position that 2023 might see a rebound in productivity from the record 
drop of productivity that we experienced in 2022. And then that's something that can keep profits up, even though payroll numbers may be extremely weak. Um, they're going to get rid of a lot of excess uh, labor that they hoarded and really didn't need. One more question for Professor Siegel. And how much does the Fed, how much does Powell look at the markets and look at the actual equity markets and see that, hey, you know, I kind of was, he was kind of, you know, hawkish statement, but then they got the disinflation word out of him yesterday during the press conference and that kind of blasted off the stocks. Is he like, look at this and say, well, I didn't really want the market rallying 100 S&P points off this statement. And how much does he consider the wealth effect here? Because as stocks, and there is stocks now making new all-time highs, not a lot of them, but there is some of them, some of the value stocks did, and some of the, actually the growth stocks are coming back pretty hard here right now. How much does he consider that wealth effect as a potential to start up inflation again? Well, I think, Dennis, I think the, the reason the market rallied when was all because he didn't push back on a rise in the stock market. He was asked two or three times financial conditions on which the stock market, you know, he didn't say, oh, the market's got it all wrong or the bond market going down thinking that we're going to have cuts. It's got it all wrong. This is the first time he didn't push back. And I think you, when you take a look at what happened to stocks yesterday, uh, when he started talking right at the beginning and read from his statement, market kept on going down. And then the first question, are you looking at financial? And he sort of said, well, you know, that that's one thing, but we're really looking at inflation and all the rest. He, for the first time, didn't put that front and center. That's when you saw the rally begin. And he continued to put down the fact, yeah, yeah, I'll let the stock market go up. That's not my primary concern right now. My primary concern right now is 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 keeping inflation low, and I think it's going in the right direction. And I think that's the the message the market took. All right, let's go to Mr. Schwartz on this one, and uh, alluding a little bit to Dennis's question. You know, we had the the famous well, inflation is transitory, right? And uh, a statement that he ended up uh, really having to backtrack on in a big way read, led to the cuts. Do you think that maybe this disinflation statement, I mean, we're always looking for turns in the market, right? Do you think that this could be like the polar opposite of like the transitory by him going, well, like, you know, got it wrong there and maybe he got it wrong here? Do you think, uh, you know, what would you use as, a, as an indicator uh, to say, you know, he just, you know, top ticked or, or bottom ticked the market with uh, with some of his comments. Well, Professor is for sure the macro guru I follow the most. So I'll defer to most of his thoughts on where is the economy going. I mean, he was trained as a monetary economist. So I, I, I always defer to his views. But we have been calculating with him some alternative measures of inflation that we've been putting out there saying, using the real-time indicators for housing, reflecting that. Uh, that you actually don't just have disinflation, you have deflation, prices going down. Powell's talked about core, he talked about goods prices going down, but he thought that that might be transitory, that those were going to go back up uh, potentially towards zero. Um, but you know, it, it's this whole question of looking backwards versus looking forwards. And I think that's where the professor's comments have been really spot on, that he shouldn't look at things six, 12 months ago. It's what's happening now, what's happening going forward. Um, and yeah, try not to make the equal and opposite problem of the transitory comments. And now things are going down and, and reflect that. Yeah, I think he recognized the faulty Bureau of Labor statistics on housing and is so lagged 
that it doesn't uh, take into account current rentals. It doesn't take into account current home prices. Case Shower is now down for six months in a row. And, and finally, he's beginning to quote inflation X rental. Uh, and ex-housing, and housing is the single biggest item. So for him to say, all right, now I'm not going to talk about food, or I'm not going to talk about energy, goods prices are down, uh, the housing data isn't really very good, so we're going to do ex-housing. So he's left with core services that he has to see go down. I mean, that's sort of whittling it down to a pretty narrow uh, I mean, you know, when I don't think aggregate, I don't think the Fed policy is going to affect medical expenses or tuition or some of those other core services. So I think that everything that he's gotten has to get down has really gone down. Um, wages will still go up because of that tightness. And as I say, most of that is catch up. We shouldn't, uh, you know, uh, bemoan that fact. And, uh, you know, I wish I was a reporter there and stood up and said, you know, Chairman Powell, why, you know, uh, workers have fallen 5% behind inflation. Why, why are you saying I don't want them to, to match inflation uh, or exceed inflation over the next mm-hmm. six to nine months? Very, I mean, unnecessarily anti-labor position and not correct. So, uh, you know, I think once these ideas uh, I've been bringing up, others have been bringing up, I think it's slowly seeping into the Fed and that's one reason I think a pivot will be sooner. And one reason I think second half of this year, we are going to see decline in the rates. All right. So I want to jump in here. Of course, the markets are up about 9% for the year. So it seems like we're definitely getting into stronger markets. Now, does the market have it right here? Or is it just kind of a euphoria kicking in? I'll kick it to both of you. Uh, Shorts, we'll go for you first, and then we'll go to Siegel. Well, Dennis mentioned uh, early in his comments, I heard him, you know, saying it's not he's tough to be a value investor this last month. You know, it's been mm-hmm. growth leading the way. But, you know, we definitely focus on the long run at it was not just from the professor's book stocks for long run. We do a lot of annual rebalancing. I, I think the valuations in high dividend stocks today, 11 times earnings, 9 percent earnings yield when the S&P is, you know, 18 to maybe a little bit higher. Um, 5% earnings yield, it's a little bit below or, you know, a little bit higher, but the much more attractive valuation stories in the high dividend parts of the world. Internationally, he get 11% earnings yields, eight to nine PE ratios. That's to us where I think there's good values here and, and really where you want to be if there is a, you know, more concerns about valuations coming into the market here. And you, Mr. Uh, Siegel, how do you see it? Well, I, I, I first of all, I agree with Jeremy, you know, we had a big value versus growth. Yes, we've had a bounce back in January. And and today, I think Meta is, you know, driving today's certainly growth uh, story. But normally, when you when you pop the growth bubble and you go back to the dot-com 20-some years ago and 20-some years before that, the nifty 50, it's usually a multi-year process by which the, um, the, uh, the value... Uh, recovers from growth. I think NASDAQ is still 25 times, 26 times earnings, which as you, as Jeremy says, the, val- the value sector of the S&P is what, 13 or 14. And that's a big, uh, big differential. I, I, I went on CNBC on the, the morning of January 2nd when trading began for 2023. I said the market could go up 10 to 15%. I got all sorts of emails. You absolutely have to be crazy about that. You just mentioned it's up, what, eight or nine now, one month. 
um, the market is always uh, going to do, uh, often going to do what most people think is impossible. And when everyone said, oh, first half is going to be a disaster, you know, uh, you know, Fed is going to over tighten, recession coming on, uh, blah, 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 blah. And I just my my own history of what happens in the market when everybody is bearish and boy on january 1st everyone was bearish the market is going to trick you and right. uh, me so far it did all right professor before we let you go you are the professor how would you grade chairman paul uh, oh, in, in, no, in, i give i give i give him a d um I, and the only reason I don't give them an F because you know when you give people Fs, you get the dean coming in and everyone coming in and <laughs> they regrade all their tests twenty times. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, is there any you can't, hope? Give F, you can't give Fs to students anymore? Uh, the tension, no, I mean, the tension he, for I Powell. Mean, I mean, it was there. I, 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 I mean, <laughs> I, I, he was way. Uh, you know, way late. And he never really apologized yeah. to the American public for being so unbelievably late. As you know, I was just yeah. banging the table on that. And, uh, and, and now, you know, he sort of got religion. So now, oh, now I see inflation everywhere and every, you know, it's the first time where he began to acknowledge, you know, I don't see inflation absolutely everywhere. And, uh, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, the danger of overdoing it is still there. Um, we could have had a soft happening and we still might if the pivot comes sooner. Um, I'm not going to rule that out, but, um, you know, I, I don't think he needed to, to hike as far as he did. I think inflation was definitely on the wane. What if I'm just going to be uh, Jerome Powell's parents and I'm going to email you and say, well, there was a pandemic. What am I supposed to do? I was planning on raising rates in 20 and uh, the second half of uh, 20 and 21. Then I had a bit. What was I supposed to do? Yeah. Okay, I, this is what, I, I can answer that, Joel. The first pandemic, March 2020, he had to increase money and, 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 and finance that. After that, there were three huge packages, one more under Trump, two under Biden, $5 trillion, and he handed them the money. And we were already in a strong recovery. If he would have said, go to the bond market, get your money there, we would have had interest rates rise in 2021 early on, and we would not have suffered the inflation that we did. Well, we're going to end it on that. I guess I get a C minus on that question. Jeremy Schwartz. Good question, no. Good question. All right, Jeremy Schwartz, thank you for arranging this. Professor Jeremy Siegel joining us here on Pre-Market Prop. I know we've kept you a long time. I certainly hope we get to do this again. This has been fantastic, and uh, this is one interview I've always wanted to do and always been looking forward to. So thank you very much. Thanks for having us, Joel. Thanks. Thank you. All right, there you guys have it. Let's take a little peek into the markets, but nothing like those special guest interviews. So definitely out there. If you guys enjoyed this, hit the like button. What are you guys waiting I'll for? I like it. That was awesome. Come I on. That's what he's it's so, all about. He's so knowledgeable. And I like, you know, that he's on there and he's giving his opinion. He's got energy. I love the energy he brings. You know, we see him on CBC all the time. So it was very, it was very good to have him on our show. I'll put it this way. I wish I had classes with him in college. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Just kill it. And he knows like he should be running the Fed. Why is he not running the Fed? Professor right? Siegel. He should <laughs> Why be do we got it? lawyers running the Fed, right? I don't know. He should be running it. 
But hey, what, Dennis, what about the markets? We have Dennis, been a non, non-stop did you put, rally here. Like, do you have something leaning on your buy button? No, or I know. Yeah, it seems you, like Dennis, show us your keyboard. They you might have stop. something stuff on it. The uh, elbow's on right now. We're, we're on, it feels like 420 now. I mean, 410, gone that resistance. We talked about the 420. I thought it might stall out of 410. No, no way. Now you start thinking about the 420 level. And I mean, you start thinking about we're yeah. getting through the 50% retracement of the overall losses here now Ooh. in the S&P. And now we start talking about, I guess, if you want that next fib, that's 61. So I don't know. You're getting close. 420, where's that line up with the 61? Mitch, you're good at this. Is oh, it kind of line up ducks in a row? Man, we're we're getting close. I have right now um, about 415 would be that 50% retracement from the overall losses. Of 50. Which we're yeah, there right then, now. Then 61 is going to be up there towards Higher. that recent high, right? And and it's funny that it falls in right in line. Uh, 431. Holy. Yep. These numbers work themselves right out, line. right? Right we do in like line. The we do like the I usually just the 50, me and Joel, but you get that 61. It could be a little. Ducks in a row, we'll give you that one. We'll be but a, I mean, bulls are in complete flexible. control. People keep asking what's going to be the rug pull. I don't know because you haven't had a great earnings season and it didn't pull the rug. And that's mm-hmm. the worst tonight. case scenario. Tonight, the absolute worst case scenario for bears is they buy stocks on crappy earnings. And Microsoft report was not good. They lowered guidance mm-hmm. pretty much on across the board, and they bought it right back. They bought the dip. You're going to have trouble breaking this dip mentality. You've got bears caught. You've got people who are you know, short and bearish this market caught as well. And it's going to be a tough. It's going to be tough to just break that. We're coming, you know, once we get through tonight, obviously it's going to matter. Yeah, Big I have a question about that. Apple, Amazon, Google coming tonight. Huge information here. But if it's anything like Meta, the Meta report was just okay, and they rallied. So, I mean, is the expectations higher now for Apple, Amazon, Google? Mm-hmm. I'll throw that to the chat. I'll also throw it to you, Joel. I mean, maybe the expectations are higher for them now that they actually do sell off if they miss. But we're in this market that, you know what? If you miss, it's okay because we expected you to miss. And it's going to be okay because we're going to get a pivot. It's tough to break this bull mentality here right now. And, uh, boy, uh, Meta is still ripping in the uh, past that 184 area, as we mentioned, up uh, 3144, 3142, 184, 54. So insatiable bid here uh, for shares of Meta uh, kicking off the market. Uh, Mitch, did we, we got through Lily, Honeywell. Uh, did we do the Merck report? Or do we need to do the Merck report? No, we report? did the Merck. We covered, we did, we covered them. The one okay. that we didn't read was Bristol-Myers, but like that. Dennis said, value, value right now. Yeah, and Bristol-Myers uh, up a sense. bit, but Honeywell it's not the kind of stock that, that they want right now. Bristol-Myers, these aren't the kind of stocks they're looking for right now. I think eventually they will turn back to these, though. So I still think if you're dashing these away in your longer-term portfolio, I think you'll like yourself in a few years, and even a, maybe even a year from now, or maybe even six months from now. So I don't think the growth rally will continue forever here. But right now, today, they don't want drug stocks. They don't want value stocks. They want stocks that are making no money. They want zombie companies. They want companies going bankrupt for crying out loud. Bed Bath Beyond up 21% not paying their bills. Bullish. Bullish. Is that I mean, over-exuberance? Irrational is that... exuberance is exactly what is happening in this market here right now. The January yeah. effect caused the turn. You know, we had all the trash, dash for trash. And I thought that would last a week or two. I did not for once anticipate that it would last this long and secondly i didn't think it would be this violent 
the violence coming into these stocks, Carvana, the lack of any fundamental concern whatsoever. Fundamentals are bad. We don't care. You're not paying your bills, Bed Bath & Beyond. We don't care. The stock's going higher. Go bankrupt because we know what we saw in 2020. Stocks go bankrupt and they go higher anyways. That's Mm -hmm. the mentality out there right now. And if you're bearish, that's what's got to break. It's going to be a hard thing to break. Now, again, you're going to get dips. So I still think you're buying dips here. But you got to be very careful just blindly shorting a Carvana saying it doesn't make any sense because it didn't make sense at $8 or $10 or $15, $17. I think it'd be $30 in your face. It's it still very, make very sense. dangerous. I'm going to finish with this and then you guys can go. It's very, very dangerous to short stocks that are disconnected from fundamentals because that means the price can go anywhere. So mm-hmm. I never short stocks once they start disconnecting from fundamentals. So I will 100%. not be shorting Carvana. I will not be shorting Bed Bath & Beyond because that's how you get hurt really bad. That's the market right now. Just purely, fully disconnected from fundamentals. To a certain extent, yes. To a, but maybe will, it's looking ahead, you know, you, that we're coming into a soft landing. And maybe. you will not be selling your Rivian. My, my last little bit of my Rivian, you're not allowing me to sell. So, okay. Nah. I'm holding the Rivian until I die. <laughs> let them know. Let them know. Long man. term, Warren Buffett style. I'm in Rivian long forever. Term. The $20 million market cap that makes no sense whatsoever. So. Not long, a week long, Dennis. We're talking long term. Okay. Jaws told me I cannot sell any more Rivian. It is now officially a long term holding. I have to sell it at zero or $500 a share. I don't know. I've. Go four ninety nine ninety nine. Four ninety nine ninety five. Get ahead of that five hundred dollar level. Yeah, exactly. But but uh, there's a good point here. I mean, again, there's a lot of stocks, and be careful today if you're just shorting random, shorting these high these high short interest stocks. You know, when you see Bed Bath and Beyond and Carvana going up, it could reignite them. So I want you to just be careful. Mm-hmm. And again, there's some opportunities there. This stuff's hard to trade. I trade it sometimes. I'm not in Bed Bath and Beyond or Carvana. I'm in some of the other ones, but I do think there there is a potential that that could spill over. So just be careful because when you're seeing stocks go up when they're not paying their bills, that's just going up just because they're squeezing shorts. Squeeze is on today. Maybe it changes. Maybe it turns today. Maybe it turns tomorrow. Maybe it turns next week. It eventually turns. But calling that turn is very difficult. And we've seen some vicious, vicious. 4180, folks. That, that's that's it. That's all I have for you. It looks like we'll be there before the market opens. So I uh, missed a lot of symbols here. I'm going to go cover them on Pre-Market Prep Plus. And uh, back with you guys at 1030 Pre-Market Prep with Stock Odds. All right. Going to start wrapping it up there. Joel said goodbye. Peace out, team. Um, we'll see what happens a little bit later. And I got, I wanted to ask Joel about at the close, but don't worry about that. We'll, I'll give you guys some information on that a little bit later. Uh, we might not be having at the close today. Just want to give you the insight on that. We'll figure it out there. Uh, Dennis, it's time, my friend. I think today's the day. I'm just going to say it like that, right? You guys what know you I've think? been bearish, right? Today's the day. These three earnings reports are going oh, to decide so if we're in a new bull market or yeah. not. Yep. Let's just be honest, right? Yep. Because if all three kick it out the water, what do we come in tomorrow with? They don't even have to kick it out of the water. They just have to be okay. That's yeah, just the not just not the bears. Yeah, just not disaster reports, right? That's and they would I would think it would have to be all three of them because even if one of them does well and maybe two of them does bad, does the market just see that as silver lining? And it there'll comes be right one. Back? So it, again, and it's it's funny. It's just all indexing and ETF effects, which we talk about sometimes on this show, mm-hmm. have so much importance. 
in the trading of stocks and people don't respect the ETF effects. But I mean, yeah. you know, a lot of the rotation, you know, we even talk about in the queues, you know, when you get Meta ripping higher, you get an Amazon or an Apple ripping higher, they naturally rotate out of the non-tech components because there's like 21 stocks in the queues out of the 100 that are non-tech. Everybody yeah. thinks it's all tech. There's like 21 of them. You know, the Starbucks is in there. There's, I mean, you know, you got Pepsi Heinz is in there. Pepsi, Pepsi in there. is in there. I mean, there's a lot of non-tech in there. And that's the natural rotation within the index itself. But what you see often happen is if Apple or whoever reports first, Apple's usually at 430. So um, it's probably going to be Amazon or Google that report first. Google. You can see if they Pepsi hit yesterday. one of them naturally the bar instantly lowers for the other one if the other one says anything okay so you rarely see all three go one direction i would think you're going to see one go one direction and then the next one's going to go the opposite direction so and that allows the index to not get all screwed up so you usually see you rarely see when there there's three guns reporting like that you rarely see all three just rip higher you usually see two go one way one go the other way so expect that don't expect all three to rip higher expect one of them to actually go down and sometimes it's like the one that's not even like they, the reports could all be identical they still won't rally all three it's just in etf and index effects so if well, the first one gets killed all of a sudden the next two look a lot more attractive so just keep that in mind if you're trading them you know if you see you know if you see amazon and google report before 4 30 and they both rip higher the bar is way higher for Apple and Apple could actually go down or the opposite. If Amazon and Google go down, <laughs> then Apple has a higher tendency to go up. Remember that as a trader, I trade that strategy all the time and it works. Those ETF effects work. Yeah. And uh, some of these like to report a little later. So watch today, right? There's going to be some fun. Definitely. We'll have all those earnings reports right here on Benzinga. You don't got to go anywhere else to check those out. I will be a part of those shows also all day long. It's going to be a long one for me. So you guys stay tuned after hours. We'll get into these earnings reports. We'll take a look at it. You guys can talk with me in the chat. I'll also jump onto the show to give some outlook that I saw in the earnings report. And like always, you guys can learn all these kind of actions, right? That's why we have pre-market prep plus. What's the ETF effect? Looks like we're going to have to add that to the education well, there, Dennis. Well, it so. is. It's in there. No, if you go into premarketprep.com and the educational videos, I have Boom. a full like half an hour course on ETF effects and talking about rotation within the index. I mean, this is how the pros make money, folks. This is how exactly. professionals are not making. People don't believe it, but I make most of my money not on making a call, like saying, oh, you know, I'm making it on inefficiencies and understanding the inefficiencies and understanding how these ETF effects affect the prices. And it's why my short-term trading is so much more consistent than my long-term trading because my long-term investing is making calls. In the long-term, you got to make calls. You know, it's not mm -hmm. about, you know, it's making, I think this company is doing well, I'm going to invest in this company. I think this company. But in the okay. short-term, in the day trading world, it's all about relationships and understanding those little intricate relationships, understanding the ETF effects because it's so many ETFs in there. Like when you see them rip higher, when you see Meta rip higher yesterday, automatically I'm thinking short of Starbucks, which is, which is mind-boggling to 99.9% .9 of people out there. Why would mm -hmm. you short Starbucks? Because Meta is going up. Because it's in the queues. And you know what? The index isn't keeping up. And what, you know what, Starbucks was down, it's up, it's coming up here because of the entire market, but it was down the entire after hour recession. If you look at your chart last night, and I'm going down 75 cents last night, starting to come back up because the entire market has just lifted here. But relatively speaking, there's an outperformance there for those tech over those non-tech QQQ components. 
So you've got to respect those ETF effects. Definitely 100%. I did throw up the link there for you guys to check out those educational videos on premarketprep.com. Appreciate it like always, Dennis. And earlier, we heard, we heard a lot of people say, well, Dennis wasn't bullish. Well, are you following him on Twitter? You might be I've, missing I've been out, in the bull right? camp here for the Come last. On. Come I, I, on, again, team. overall, and again, I'm still way too much cash in my long-term portfolio, but I've been trading this bullish really since that's, January. That's I mean, okay. I've been trading it. I've, I've said during January, if you go back and look at the tweets, Tesla turn. I was like, it needs the calendar turn. It needs the calendar turn. I didn't do as well as I should have with it because mm-hmm. if I would have just held all this stuff because I had all this. I was even saying on the show, some of the holdings I had in my portfolio would make me throw up in the first week of January. Because, but I'm like the, the the January effect is real, and I thought it was going to be real, and it worked out. But again, I sold the stuff too soon. First in, first out. FIFO is my problem. It's always yeah. been my problem. 22 years, I'm not sure I'm going to break it. My entries have always been very good. My exits have always been very poor. I always you, get out way too soon. So I was happy agree? to know on like the Carvana. Remember, I said I bought that thing down at three and a half bucks, three and a half dollars after Bed Bath and Beyond started going. And I'm like, well, they're probably going to start ripping Carvana. And you know what? I made a buck on it. I made like 25% of my money in literally one day. And I was like, that's pretty good. And I took it. It's $17 now. So, I mean, again, my problem isn't so much the entries. It's the exits. Mm-hmm. I get out too soon. I have too much scalper blood. need to like prick my finger, squeeze some of that scalper blood out of me because that's my problem. But, you know, I it, it, again, you know, I take the first bite. I've said this before. I leave the meat for somebody else. I'm a nice guy. <laughs> One thing that I would say is that uh, what I've learned, and at least I've seen it in day trading, you might not get that second opportunity. You might not get that throwback look. But when I've seen in investing is a lot of the times we do get that next opportunity. We do get that pullback opportunity after the rip, right? And a lot of people go chasing, yep. then they get stopped out and it comes right back to those yep. long-term investors yep. and then they buy the dip. Yeah, they don't. They're not. They're not buying the rip. They're buying the dips, right? And yep. so, long-term investors look for those pullbacks, while a lot of the times those day traders get stopped out at the highs, buying the highs, right? And so that's one thing that I've seen definitely, and that's why I stay in the bearish camp. It's okay to be on one side. I think now when you're day trading, that's called another ball game. We got to have different hats, and sometimes even three hats. I try to wear them long-term. Swing trade, day trade, completely different game. And it's hard to be good at all three. I'll tell you right now. One thing you clearly see Dennis is like, he's like, well, I mean, I I feel like sometimes just day trading because that's where on those three, I kill it out the water, right? Yeah. So I I know how that feels, Dennis. And I wanted to give you a shout out definitely for your 80% for the month. Um, not not for only month. for that. I'd love to make 80% a month. Well, 80 that was a 10 per, month return. 10 month, 10 month. <laughs> I would bad. love to make 80% a month. I, I wanted I'm to focus more. I wanted to focus more, and I did put it out on our Twitter, uh, at least on my Twitter, that I think what was more important about this was how you went about it. These were all base hits, not necessarily home runs. Biggest win I think I saw there was like about 1.3%. On, and so that day, shows me more. Yeah. That shows me more, team. What that shows me is that Dennis is focusing on what process approach, not necessarily making it in one trade. Appreciate you, Dennis, always all coming in hits. here. It's all about base hits. Insight. Longevity, base hits. You know, like you think about the best hitters in baseball, like I've used this analogy before. Rob Deere could have 30 home runs, but he struck out. He led the league in strikeouts, and, you know, he got a ton of home runs. But you just get those base hits, you know, base hit traders last a long time so i'm never i'm always diversified which is why i never get big days you know that's why i have people say why do you trade 50 60 70 stocks day trading well i'm diversified 
So I'm like hitting a little bit here. I'm hitting 1% of my trading portfolio in this, 1% of my trading portfolio in this, 1% of my trading portfolio in this. Very, very diversified. A lot of people don't like that way. They, they would find my trading boring, you know, if you watch it. I would say my trading is more boring than anything, and it is process uh, oriented. Definitely relationships. Like if I said what kind of trader I'm, I'm, I'm respecting relationships, whether it's the ETF relationship, whether it's a relationship, but looking at short squeeze stocks, you know, like, okay, I gravitate to those. When I see Carvana going up, I'm seeing Bed Bath & Beyond go up. I think some of these other short squeeze stocks might go because there's a relationship there. I'm not going to stay in those long and I give them a very short leash because they turn quickly. But, you know, there's all kinds of different opportunities for you just looking at different relationships. So that's, you know, really how I day trade. My day trading has always been much more consistent than my long-term investing. Long-term investing goes with the markets. You know, it's doing really well in January. My long-term investment account was doing well, except, you know, that I'm half cash, but the half, I had stocks that did really well. So I wish I was all fully invested, but again, I wasn't fully invested on the way down too. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm not doing that bad in that account. It's actually approaching all-time highs, my long-term investing account, which, you know, is, is nice considering the markets are still considerably off. I'm still a little ways off from all-time highs, but I think I'm within four or 5% here now. Um, and that was the huge cash component that I had going down that my account never went down that much. So, and now it's starting to come up a bit, but again, I wish I went all in in this market. I'd probably be making all time highs right now, in the long-term investment account, but the day trading account has been always much more consistent. Well, thank you. Like always, Dennis, go do what you do best. My friend, time to go get into that day trading. Action. Try. Go kill Big it, night. Dennis. Big night you tonight. got it, my friend. All right, like always, you guys can keep up with Dennis at Triple D Trader on Twitter. Up next, we'll get into some live trading action. You guys come and check out what we can get into today. Will we continue this run? Will we get to 420? We'll find out, right? You guys know I've been looking at that level. Looks like we're pushing right now. We're up there towards 414.37 right now on the SPY. Definitely meta continuing to climb. Big reports tonight. Find out all of this right here on Benzinga. You don't got to go anywhere. And of course, if you guys aren't a part of the book club, I'll throw this up one last time here for Sunday's book club, 6 p.m. Eastern. Already gave out that email, but I will be sending out another email tonight for those of you guys that have been just joining. We're getting members every single day. Don't miss out. Trading in the journey. Uh, trading in the zone, right? Mark Douglas, you don't want to miss out. You want to start mastering your psychology? Well, come join us. We've been working hard on getting through the books. And for those of you out there that said that you were going to read more in the new year, are you truly doing it? Well, do it as a community. Come join us in the book club. That's why I'm necessarily also doing the book club because I said to myself, I want to read more. I want to read more trading books. Well, Easy way to do it is to do it as a team. So join us Sunday, 6 p.m. There you guys see the link. Now to get you guys over to some live trading action. And, of course, we'll have a great show for you today. We'll have live trading. After that, we have Benzinga Live, Stock Market Movers. And don't miss all our earnings call later today. You don't want to miss out. And, of course, some NFT action, the roadmap. We got a lot for you here on Benzinga. It's not just only stocks. Let's get to it. Time to get to some live trading. I know Zunaid and Lord Ryan are like, wait, where's Mitch at? It's time to get to trading.